0: February 14th, my heart is beating around my chest, what a day. Love is in the air and Cupid struck. I've been so lonesome since my beloved Ethan passed, but I'm truly blessed to have met Paul. We've been co-workers for a few weeks, and although I'm typically attracted to the nice guys, I fell head over heels for this biker bad boy. I'm so happy I worked up the courage to make a move today. I can give love a chance again. February 17th. Well, Paul began to show his true colors today. The first couple of days of our relationship, he promised me the world. Told me everything I wanted to hear, but it's like a switch flipped. He didn't even touch the dinner I made us tonight. Didn't even thank me for the effort. He called me some pretty awful names too. This is the risk you take with a bad boy though. I'm a big girl. I won't let this ruin things between us. February 20th. I called out of work the past couple days because of the black eye Paul gave me. I don't want anyone to see through the makeup and start asking questions. I don't need the suspicions and gossip at work. These things happen in relationships. I forgive him. February 21st. Things are happening so fast. This is crazy. Paul and I are going to put this life behind us and go off the grid. I'm in the process of packing up essentials we need and then we're off to our forever home. It's a cute little remote cabin in the mountains away from everything and everybody. Moving into a remote cabin with an ungrateful boyfriend who has been emotionally and physically abusive. Crazy, right? But the heart wants what the heart wants. People have been talking and I don't want the outside world pulling us apart. I love him and need to try to make this work. I hear Paul screaming from the other room, I better hurry up and pack. Off we go. February 23rd. I'm shaking as I write this. How could I be so stupid? I forgot to double check the locks on Paul's restraints. I had no choice. I had to take his life. I couldn't risk him getting out and attacking me or somehow alerting the police. I am so heartbroken. I may never find love again. March 1st. Heartbeat still. I ventured a bit further out than my usual stroll and met the nicest man along the way. He owns a cabin only a mile or so away. I never thought I could move on from Paul. But this man gives me hope. I'll take a walk to his cabin at dark. Wish me luck. The last time the boy was seen alive that
1: Halloween night, he and a few friends were causing mayhem and trick-or-treating. They went to an unlit front porch and rang the bell. Despite there being no decorations or signs, the woman who lived there had clearly not opted into the night's festivities. One of the boy's friends claimed that they simply rang the bell once, but the other admitted that they rang and pounded on the door for over a minute before the woman answered. Maybe that played a part in it, and maybe the remains of recently smashed pumpkins all over their shoes did as well. Personally, I believe that all three of these children were rotten. Doesn't validate what she did. But still, she answered the door in a huff, not bothering to ask what they wanted. Trick or treat, the boys yelled out greedily holding their bags out, driven by the self-entitlement that fueled their terrible behavior that night. According to the more honest of the witnesses, the woman, quote, smiled with her mouth, but not with her eyes. She handed the other two their candy, but the boy received no such gift. For you, she apparently said to him, it'll be a trick. She pulled him inside and slammed the door, locking it before either of his friends could try to help him. While they pounded on the door and cried out, the witnesses could at least agree upon the details concerning what they heard. The boy cried out from the other side of the door, then begged, then fell silent. Well, maybe he was silent, or maybe his cries couldn't be heard over the woman's cackling. The witnesses ran to the street, and from our estimation, it took about 15 minutes for them to get someone to call the police. From what we can gather, they've been misbehaving all night, and no one in the neighborhood seemed to believe their claims. By the time a squad car showed up, the boy had been inside the woman's house for about 20 minutes. That's all it took. The door was unlocked when our officers entered the home and followed the blood trail to the kitchen. They noticed the smell first. As it turned out, the pulled apart pieces of the boy's brains and a few bits of his skull were on a baking sheet, roasting in the oven, alongside pumpkin seeds. The boy's body was seated at the table, as if patiently awaiting the nearly finished treats. His head, no longer on his shoulders, was instead set on the plate before him. The top of the boy's head was cut away replaced by the cap of a jack-o'-lantern. His eyes and nose were gone, later found in the trash bin. The lips and much of his cheek flesh had been carved away and discarded as well. Behind his teeth, the officers would see a dim light shining through. A lit candle was resting on his tongue.
0: I love my husband. I know he isn't cheating on me. Now, other women might be suspicious if their husband started coming home in different clothes than they left in. But not me. I trust him. I know he's not cheating on me. Other women might be suspicious if their husband started spending longer hours in the office. Other women would jump to the conclusion seeing their husband with so many younger girls. Friends from work, he calls them. Other women might be upset constantly seeing the girls that take up so much of their husband's time reminders of the fact that he's never home, but not me. When I watch the news and I see the pictures their family chose for their missing posters, I can't help but smile. My husband isn't cheating on me.
1: Life changes fast. I remember when times were good, when mom and dad were happy and the whole family was still close. Everything unraveled so quickly, it almost doesn't seem real. Mom discovered the messages Dad was sending to the mistress. The divorce was bitter and brutal. Violent fights, daily shouting matches, and ultimately Dad leaving the house for good. He tried to come around in the beginning and stay connected to my life, but Mom always drove him away. The visits became less frequent and eventually stopped altogether. Now, life is just me and Mom. And it's a living hell. She has completely become unstable and controlling. She lives in constant paranoia, saying that I'll leave her to rot just like my father. My life has become a life sentence, confined to this prison called home. She took me out of school and opted for homeschooling. She won't let me leave the house unsupervised or have any contact with people in the outside world. She has complete control over every aspect of my life. When she discovered that dad was marrying the mistress, she completely snapped. She started to call him incessantly, leaving horrific voicemails. When I asked her to stop, she told me that I speak too much and punished me for talking to her in such a way. I would hear her talking aloud to herself about hurting my dad. I wrote her a loving note, telling her that she needs to get help and stop this, She ripped it in front of me and told me that I'm a spy for my father, constantly eavesdropping on her. She told me to stop listening in on her conversations and she punished me. This may be my last time writing. I saw my mother place a knife and duct tape in the car before leaving this morning. She saw me looking and told me she'd deal with me when she got home for watching her every move. She's already taken... Tongue
0: and ears. I don't want to lose my eyes now. Day one. I still can't truly believe it, but then again, who could possibly believe they would see the planet they called home destroyed and live to tell about it? The feel and sound of the sun's explosion in the distance is indescribable, but we reached Mars. We terraformed a fraction of the planet and have hope for the future. The artificial sun provides light and heat we need. The lake and water generators allow us to drink, nurse the crops, and the livestock gives us food and a sense of familiarity on this foreign land. This is day one of the post-solar world. Day three. Everyone is cooperating. No arguing. No egos. No judgment. It's a beautiful sight to behold. I believe the event has given us a new appreciation on life. Day 6. The excessive iron levels in the soil has made it nearly impossible to grow crops. We discovered an area of land, about two football fields in size, where the toxicity is low enough that crops can grow. Crisis averted. Day 10. The couple who settled on the fertile lands when we first arrived are now demanding livestock as a payment for use of their land. Some foolish people have actually begun to do this. But I won't condone such madness. Day 12. The couple have hired people to monitor the land with promise of extra food. They discovered the seeds I planted and dug them up. I also witnessed a man trespassing on the land today and he was brutally beaten by the new guards. At least I have my livestock. Day 15. This is insanity. The people who settled along the lake when we arrived are now building a fence along the lake front. They are demanding food in return for water access. Day 20 Mobs have broken out across the land, some targeting the fertile lands, some targeting the lakefront. People are desperate. I saw one couple trying to exchange their child for food. They had ran out of livestock to give. The paid guards from both sides put down the uprising. No trial will be had here. The guards quickly carried out executions of all involved. During the commotion, I was able to sneak down to the lake to fill my buckets. Today I cried when the water reached my lips. How has it come to this? Day 30 The controllers of the land and water are allowing people to work in exchange for food and water that they desperately need. I used my final chicken for water. This may be my last chance at survival. Day 45 Someone set a fire to the fertile lands last night and used the farmed excess iron to poison the water supply. Even with the impending doom, the controllers of the land of water won't free us from our servitude. Rumors have spread that they'll use us like livestock now. We brought everything we needed to succeed in this new world. Unfortunately, we also brought man, I peered
1: over the edge eight stories down looked like quite the drop. I questioned how fatal it would be. The internet said you had a 50-50 shot of dying if you fell four stories so the odds seemed good. I took a moment to appreciate the atmosphere from the roof of the garage. Even in those late hours the heart of the city was alive in the distance but it was truly dead out on the waterfront. I closed my eyes breathing in the biting winter cold The moon was mostly obscured by clouds that threatened rain all afternoon before failing to deliver. The stillness of the air echoed the respectful silence of so many churches and cemeteries. All in all, a nice night to end things on. I climbed up onto the edge. Suddenly the air was electric and the view was both terrifying and exhilarating. A slight wind pushed at my back, a threatening, playful dare. This is the thrill I love, the fear of falling, of dying, the fear, fantastic. After enjoying the rush for a few minutes more, my phone started buzzing. She was on her way. I climbed down and returned to my hiding spot behind her van and I waited. The security guard was very predictable. Her routine was always specific. This was the second of eight hourly patrols, and from weeks of watching her, I knew that she would be headed that way at exactly 2.34. She didn't see me during her first patrol, so I knew I would remain hidden. This was her favorite spot, or at least that's what it seemed like. Sometimes she smoked while looking over the edge, but this time she was simply enjoying the view. I couldn't blame her. The lights from the buildings on the other side of the river twinkled like stars on the water's surface, a captivating sight. Before she could return to her patrol, I snuck up behind her and pushed her over the edge. She didn't scream on the way down. I was almost disappointed, but then I considered that she could have been too petrified by fear and that made me feel better about it. The fear was my entire motivation, after all. I was looking down at the body waiting for the blood to start pooling around her. When she began to stir, I started cursing my bad luck, but then she rolled over and looked up at me. She was completely unharmed. No blood, no wounds, just a smile. I ran when she stood back up, heart pounding in my ears, a cold sweat washing over my body and stinging my eyes. I don't know if she let me get away or if I escaped her. But I'm going back there tonight. I'm afraid of whatever she is, but that's the entire point. I was terrified. But God, what a rush. I thought I was a monster. Now I've seen one. And I need to see her again.
0: I've always hated those storage unit auction TV shows. As someone who actually buys the contents of storage units, so I can sell them at my thrift store, I can tell you with absolute certainty that those shows are complete bullshit. All those shows have done is convince idiots with too much money to flood the market. They jack up the prices, lowering my potential profits, and they feel ripped off when they realize they bought 20 bucks worth of junk for 10 times as much. They have no idea what it's really like to buy this as a career, it's not a war we're not hunters and we're certainly not searching for buried treasure it's a business besides we don't just find valuable items that can be resold we find mysteries within those metal walls stories that were meant to remain locked away from the outside world you buy what's inside and that becomes your responsibility those mysteries become yours to solve and those stories become yours to tell I can't sell these things, but perhaps I can make use of them. Here's a good one that might entertain you or at least keep you away from my auctions. This was into my second year running the store with my partner. We were looking into a unit from the outside and something caught my eye. This dull little metal lockbox half covered by a blanket surrounded by clothes and trash bags. No one else saw it. I got the lot for 20 bucks. I made a beeline for the box as soon as I paid for the lot, climbing over bags and clothes until I had it in my hands. I shook it and it seemed full of small things. It didn't sound like coins, but I allowed myself to imagine that it did. Anything could be inside, right? The box was locked and I had no key, so I decided to pry it open at the store. In the meantime, we had a lot full of old clothes and blankets to move. Since nothing was fragile, we just threw it all into our van and brought it back to the store. we washed and dry everything before putting it on the racks, but my partner wanted to sort it out first. While he was busy with that, I started prying the lunchbox open with a flathead screwdriver. When my partner walked over to explain that he thought something was off about the clothes, the strange amount of variety in sizes and fit, I got the box open. I stared slightly at the contents while he wondered aloud where all the different clothes came from maybe it's all from another thrift store he guessed or a lot of different people look at this i replied i turned the box around allowing my partner to see what was inside the box was filled to the brim with human teeth
1: I was six. I was at a park. I was wearing a pink and white sundress. My mother was talking to her friend. The park was not that crowded. There were not many people there. There was a mat with toys on it. The couple that was by it said it was okay with them for me to play. After about 20 minutes, the nice lady asked if I wanted to go to the toy store. I was so excited. Before I could get in her car, A girl with jeans and a red top grabbed my hand and pulled me away from her. When she did, I started yelling. That caused the lady to panic, driving away without me. My mom ran over. She was panicked. She noticed I had disappeared and was desperately looking for me. At the time, I didn't even know what was going on. I was just mad at the girl for preventing me from going to get more toys. When I found out what the lady was trying to do, though... I still cannot see people in sundresses without shivering the lady that tried to take me was never caught her description matched a woman who kidnapped 28 other kids they weren't as lucky as i was my mother tried to find the girl that saved me she left before my mother found me i often wondered who she was until yesterday you see i often walk around that same park Hoping to find the girl that saved my life. Yesterday, I put on a cute red top and walked around the park. It was then I saw the lady who tried to take me. She was holding a child by the hand, leading her away. On impulse, I grabbed the child and pulled her out of her hand. When the girl screamed, the lady panicked and drove away. Stunned by the familiarity of the situation, I looked at the crying girl. She wore a pink and white sundress.
0: I fostered animals in my spare time. I took care of the wounded and once they were back on their feet I would return them into the wild. I guess it was kind of a hobby for me. They told me that there was someone in need of help in my pond. A small human laying on a lily pad no bigger than my thumb. I scooped her up and she didn't move or try to swim away. She just laid there, lifelessly, in my hand. I took her home and made a small bed out of tissues and placed her in a shoe box. I left the lid open as I went to bed that night. When I woke up, she was still in the box. I would bring her bits of food, but she wouldn't touch it. This continued for almost three days. I worried that she would starve, so I started to tell her about the food and how it's made. She would turn and look at me sometimes, but she didn't eat. I kept trying until one night I made spaghetti. It was in the middle of talking when I tilted the plate too much. A meatball rolled off and stopped before her. She picked up the meatball covered in marinara sauce and took a bite out of it. Her first words to me were, Yummy. She became livelier as the days passed, and she would even sit there on my shoulder. I was worried that she would fall, so I started buying shirts with pockets. She was with me everywhere I went. I bought her a dollhouse, doll-sized clothing, and even a small bed so she could sleep. She always cheered me up, and before I knew it, my whole life revolved around her. One day when I was eating dinner, she finally told me why she was outside in the middle of the pond. She told me that she had a family, but they were murdered. She had escaped by swimming away and told me, there are others like me. They hunt and eat us. They're cannibals. That night I felt anxious and sat up in my bed and stared at the dollhouse. She was sleeping soundly in her bed. I got up and sat in the kitchen for God knows how long. I had to stop them somehow. Before I knew it, I had fallen asleep on the table I jerked awake and headed back to my room. I opened the door and peeked into her room, only to see her missing. My heart stopped. I looked closer and there were specks of red all over. A small man about her size stood in the corner of her room, hunched over, and its face was completely distorted. He smiled, teeth sharp and crooked, mishap and red eyes locked with mine as he held out a gold nugget about the size of a dollar coin Here's your half, as promised. People were outraged
1: and disturbed by the mass shootings. But then a celebrity had a baby, so they forgot. People were scared about global warming, but the stock market nosedived, so they forgot. People were protesting the war, but a new online challenge became popular, so they forgot. People questioned the gun confiscation but a new movie came out, so they forgot. People questioned the mandatory curfew, but they saw many beatings and lifeless bodies at the rally, so they just tried to forget. People questioned the lies, but homes were raided. People were taken away in the night, and they were forgotten. People were once happy, free, at least I think they were. Information is limited now and I can only regurgitate the writings my father left behind before he was taken. I miss my dad. He had the warmest smile and the brightest blue eyes. At least I think they were blue. I wish I could remember.